why do you think uh, ev adoption is getting delayed there was right, uh, right. A, a year of 2018 first like uh, right, government right. was saying that right. uh, they'll make it more compulsory then it became 2020 then it became 2025 uh, you might remember uh, this europe european union they announced that uh, by 2025 they'll make everything ev recently they said mm -hmm. uh, they'll make it make that happen by 2035 so you know mm -hmm. this this seems like happening again and again this ev adoption in a way, it's getting postponed very frequently. So why do you think right, this is right. the thing is, it's a vicious cycle. You don't have enough infrastructure to to enable usage of EVs. Mm. But then since you don't have enough EVs on the road, uh, you also don't see a need for infrastructure to be built. So, mm. but then I think it's it's changing. Uh, so you, you also have private players uh, uh, who have started coming up with their own charging points for all EVs. Uh, in every city. Uh, I think the thing to solve to a large extent would be charging at home uh, when, you know, like in the future, every apartment complex uh, should, you know, or, or every house or every wedding should have these aspects catered to, right? Like it, it is as simple as uh, you bringing water from somewhere to your place, you know, in a, in a few, in, in like literally in pots. And the, so the difference between that and water having, uh, you know, water coming to your place through a tap, through a pipeline, um, right? Mm. So, yeah. So I think, uh, so once infrastructure gets set, in, and, so, and then you don't, you don't, you never think of going back to that again, right? Correct, uh, correct, so correct. it is, uh, it is uh, kind of like that. The other thing is adoption, I think is also slow to a large extent because of apprehension, because of uh, mm. uh, range anxiety. But I think once you, once you alleviate that, uh, once you realize that, okay, if this is this, this is the range I get, how much am I actually going to use it? Or even if I have to travel, I can still charge somewhere if I do run out or start running out in the worst case. Mm. So I think it, to a large extent, the answer might be infrastructure driven, uh, but it's also to a large extent product driven. Uh, you, uh, I think there are certain uh, price structures that still don't work for a, uh, for, you know, like uh, for a majority of your, your mm. customer, right? Uh, these are also difficult to uh, achieve based on you know the tech that actually goes in EVs right now. One of the things that you do kind of there's, there's a way that you can kind of push that to happen is uh, by providing a better experience uh, mm -hmm. on your product than than your existing products, right? So the the actual desirability of that product itself goes higher. Uh, yeah. You know, like you if you can do much more with an EV than you can do with a petrol vehicle. You know, in terms of whatever. It does for you, right? I think um, mm. that there are there are things that uh, kind of will will make that a more compelling choice. There are some countries, especially when it comes to EVs. Uh, I have seen that China has been uh, very strong, right? Yeah, yeah. Like China, yeah, yeah, yeah. China adopted EV. I think a decade or two decades back, right? Like, uh, and they have like full infrastructure ready. And uh, I think uh, most of the cities in China, uh, there are absolutely no petrol-driven vehicles. So, uh, uh, what 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 do you think? Like China did different compared to India. I believe uh, there was a there was a mandate, right? That uh, you Correct. can't really use uh, yeah you can't really use IC engine vehicles in. So government uh, literally pushed all. EVs onto people, like yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think uh, but they didn't uh, of course they didn't force EVs onto people that way. I think they also ensured that uh, I mean I think every manufacturer and every uh, say every other system that gets mm. involved in uh, these these things which is right from mm. your corporations to your uh, 
to your apartment complexes, uh, places which do which have provisions for charging uh, in public. Mm. It's a massive uh, collaborative effort from everyone. It's not like just like a government related thing, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's uh, how, rather I think than even no, forcing uh, things, they made it more convenient. Uh, and maybe yes. owning a petrol vehicle, it was very difficult for them. So and then for people, for normal people, it became like an obvious choice. He, uh, this vehicle is like petrol vehicle, obviously petrol, you have to spend more and then owning also is very expensive, then better go for an EV vehicle. So I think yeah. that kind of mindset would have changed the ecosystem over there. The change is always difficult and uh, yes. it takes time. And uh, what I'm right. really happy to see that is nowadays uh, in Pune, especially uh, I'm seeing so many uh, EV scooters. Okay. So many literally like uh, suddenly, I don't know what has happened like before COVID. Uh, there was this complete petrol vehicles on the street. Then two two years of lockdown went just like that. No vehicles on the road. And suddenly now when everything is opening up, I am seeing Aethers, Olas, Chetas everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> like this adoption has taken a good pace actually. And uh, also, yes, yes. Uh, also the users, uh, I can see a variety of users. So for example, some scooters, there are like uh, so many IT professionals. Then also there are like cost-effective, very pocket-oriented uh, users are also there uh, who are owning these little bit more uh, affordable kind of scooters, but they are also having EV scooters. So, you know, I am seeing this entire spectrum. I am seeing this entire uh, adoption uh, picking up a good amount of pace. And uh, if this pace continues, I think maybe four or five years will be there, like 50-50 scenario might be there. So, uh, I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, In this, uh, I have just one more question that... um, uh, because of this range anxiety and all that, there are so many uh, startups and companies who are trying to tackle this problem by swappable swappable batteries, right? So, uh, but then again, swappable batteries has their own challenges, right? They like the batteries exactly. are not standardized. Uh, they have different uh, charging requirements involved and all that. At the same time, there are so many companies who are trying to push that. So, do you think swappable battery is kind of a solution, or uh, it will be difficult because every company they are not comfortable in sharing their own charging tech with everyone else. Um, this is actually a, a, a really good question because uh, at least on a personal level uh, and also on a on, in general, at you know, all of us believe in non-swappable batteries. Uh, you, I think fixed batteries are better. Hmm. Uh, your, you know, your, your swappable batteries come with a, an entire host of challenges, which actually make your make your life a little more difficult in that sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, there's an aspect of standardization. Uh, there are companies which are trying to come together. Like I think in Japan, uh, I think most, I think all the big four came together. But I think uh, the challenges there are uh, again, you know, the challenges with using swappable batteries. Uh, one is standardization. Secondly, packaging inside the vehicle, engineering specifically your vehicle to enable uh, swapping, mm-hmm. uh, setting up of swapping stations, and uh, I think. Uh, it comes with uh, with its own set of challenges and which make the whole thing more inefficient. Mm. So yeah, I strongly feel that uh, uh, fixed batteries and home charging is the is the way to go. Way to go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Because this has become like very serious kind of conversation till now. Let's let's change the tone of it a little bit. Uh, so uh, tell me something that uh, because Ether is located in Bangalore. Okay. And right. Bangalore right. in recent times, it has gained this, uh, you know, status like a Silicon Valley of India, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like USA used to have the Silicon Valley where all the big startups like Fang and everyone, like 
it was there it was the place for all the tech oriented people now the same thing is happening right. with bangalore uh, most of the startups are from bangalore especially gurgaon also is there but definitely bangalore has becoming this tech capital of india like lot of aspiring students or people or designers who are like thinking of moving to bangalore joining some company and all uh, what do you think like uh, bangalore what what set of things uh, it has there to offer all these young guys uh good coffee for starters <laughs> amazing coffee uh, i okay. uh, so i'm i'm not a i'm not a coffee person uh, i i'm more of a tea person okay. and uh, uh, like i consume two cups of chai during this podcast i guess i don't know <laughs> but uh, i am so, a coffee yeah, person so, so i but, would love going to bangalore i feel <laughs> yeah yeah so so yeah you you get great coffee anywhere of course there's this the stereotypes about bangalore weather being good and they're all true and then the other stereotype about uh, terrible horrible yeah, traffic yeah. it's yes that's that's true as well it's just right now the 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 entire city is uh, in a transition is a big, huge transition phase from mm-hmm. um, you know like the the way the city uh, kind of sprung up right and and from a planning perspective so i think uh, uh, connectivity wise uh, public transport wise that it's undergoing a huge transition so there's metro construction all over the place and i think i hope once that uh once that comes up i think uh the entire city once the entire city gets connected from end to end properly uh they should ease a lot of that uh, mm-hmm. if roads are roads are done better i think uh, that should that should just help i think to a large extent if you sync traffic signals properly if you kind of uh, uh and planning and coordination related issues that uh, end up in traffic being bad so basically uh, bangalore I, needs a lot of system designers and crowd management oh, absolutely i mean <laughs> yeah. i don't know if if there are system designers who can actually work with uh, work with uh, government, government agencies yeah uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah i think uh, that should help, greatly help uh, help the cause mm. of like better so because you know you um, it's not a great experience uh, just being stuck in traffic right it's a yeah, it's waste of time so, in a way right yeah 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 it's just that i have now discovered uh, every single small lane and by lane that i can take to reach home faster. shortcuts yeah so yeah shortcuts yeah it's just a, a, a fun way of uh, again again discovering hidden gems in your city i guess uh, <laughs> treasure hunter so, <laughs> so so like uh, you'll be going through a lane and you'll smell something nice and like oh wow i must stop here so uh, <laughs> that uh, that happens to a lot of people but as a city it uh, it um, it it does have a lot to offer from a like uh, in the on the amount of sheer sheer amount of startups the sheer amount of big tech companies that are here like in every few square kilometers there are um, at least uh, five ev startups i don't know wow uh, really is that so yeah, yeah. i i'm 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 pretty sure so of course there's vehicle startups there's ev startups the reason ether moved to bangalore was also to be part of an entire startup tech startup ecosystem right uh, mm. where uh, you can you, you first of all you uh, you have a really good culture in terms of uh, um, you they collaborating with uh, collaborating with other tech companies or kind of mm-hmm. uh, being in the same tech being in the same space as other tech companies and that helps a lot uh, you are also not too far off from um, too far off from chennai and uh, you know mm-hmm. the hosur industrial belt so yeah. that is another advantage so you mm-hmm. you can so i think in that sense bangalore works very well for vehicle ev manufacturers or ev startups mm-hmm. apart from that other tech startups you know most uh, in terms of payments in terms of uh, delivery uh, education i know i mean i think they're all they're all based in here okay. so a ton of opportunities yes wow oh, awesome actually uh, recently uh, one of my wife's friend actually 
so uh, she was approached uh, by some startup in bangalore and uh, there is something you might know that uh, in initial days uh, startups will offer employees the position of co-founders right like they'll directly say that you can join us as a co-founder or something like that and uh, because of this bangalore hype and uh, you know silicon valley kind of hype she was like super excited uh, she went there she joined uh, the company and uh, like in couple of months only she had like really uh, bad experience so uh, the kind of work culture they had the kind of you know uh, so many so many sketchy things were happening over there and uh, mm-hmm. and that made me realize that uh, it's not all like positives over there uh, so so for for uh, all these students and aspirants uh, even if they are deciding to move to bangalore to join a startup or something like that i think they should be uh, more uh, cautious about uh, checking like they should be thorough with what they are going to handle in future and then only they should take that step so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are like pros and cons of everything over oh wow. yeah you're, you're absolutely right i think uh, that is a thing work culture should not be taken for granted again you know as a student uh, it's really mm. difficult to gauge how uh, how work culture like what work culture means and you know what is good work culture what is bad work culture but uh, i think yeah maybe maybe more internships more mm. uh, more uh, more of a taste of the industry uh, beforehand can help you make that decision better as uh, shantanu was saying even if you are getting approached by these startups make sure that they have the right vision they have the right set of people uh, with the good working culture and uh, you know then only you should take a call otherwise you <laughs> otherwise you might end up in a mess i don't know if there's a system that can be set up to uh, to help people who have landed these jobs and at these startups to help them you know at least uh, maybe uh, understand wh- what they will actually end up doing like a, a council of sorts hmm. maybe this could be a new startup i don't know <laughs> this, yeah. is a, this is this, this is a, this is a legend, uh, yeah yeah this is <laughs> and like uh, this is a legend bangalore mentality and, and uh, i find myself doing this all the time like including now like uh, <laughs> hey, startup idea so yeah, yeah, uh, maybe maybe someone should take this up yeah yeah so awesome. <laughs> counseling services for uh, for new joinees at startups so let's see where this ev industry is going awesome so yeah, yeah. Uh, let's come yeah. to the final part which is like the more fun part let's talk more about mr shantanu joke <laughs> so uh, we talked about so many things uh, let's talk more about yeah, yeah. so can you tell what are your interests what you like you already mentioned that you are into automobiles and reading and stuff like that but yeah 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 what are your current interests what do you do on weekends i, I like roaming around the city this whole love of vehicles is uh, it's so strong that you like you in your <laughs> spare time you'll be uh, you know you think about a video so, <laughs> or reading about something or you know just uh, just scrolling up awesome. uh, an automotive website mindlessly so i guess that happens uh, i i do collect uh, i do collect die cast cars so i have a, oh, i have a bit of a collection. collection yeah yeah so ah, there's nice. that which is your favorite bike oh uh, my favorite bike i guess that would be the ducati 999 wow okay and yesterday yeah, when yeah. we were uh, having this conversation on the phone you yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. that you are one of those very small group of people who will prefer 999 over 916 right Yes, yes. Uh, so I'll tell you, like, uh, yes. So I like the nine nine nine. I even like uh, the the MH nine hundred E. That is mm. just uh, another very very dramatic. Uh, so it is still. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of most retro bikes, but that one is an exception. And uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I would say like 
okay if you were to ask so 999 little bit over a 916 hmm. just a little bit but i would still stick to I mean given a, you know if i have to choose between the two i would choose the 999 it awesome, uh, awesome. it is just more more radical and uh, it, again you know like uh, like i was saying uh, uh, you know just because i like turbulence you know or i uh, i'm a huge fan doesn't mean i hate tambourine right i mean you can <laughs> yeah. be you can actually, you can like uh, turbulence and tambourine at the same time same time. i mean and the analogy the analogy that we talked about like you can be a cat person and a dog person so yeah, uh, yeah. Don't... <laughs> yeah that's a good analogy which 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 i am actually i mean i like both cats and dogs I've seen uh, one in person ages ago. So yeah, actually, yeah. I have seen this bike for the first time in Japan. Like I was in Tokyo, oh. and uh, that time uh, I saw this bike. It's it's one thing to see this bike in photographs, but in actual the volume and that sheer uh, fairing volume, no, this big fairing, and then that very raw looking frame and things like that. It, it's completely different. The feel and the volume. It's completely different. Right, so right. It's definitely one of the iconic bikes. I think India, we don't have any 999, right? I've seen pictures of one uh, okay. again long ago on one of these, I think XBHP or something. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, it's possible that someone might have their bike someone in the somewhere. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, do you do you own any bike for now? So yeah, so I have a I have a BMW G Street R which I hardly oh, nice. use. <laughs> I, I, because of I, Bangalore traffic? Uh, to, partly, yes. And I also have a, an H450X. Uh-huh, so right. that, is, uh, that is my primary mode of uh, transport for my commute. Mm. For my commute needs. It's, awesome. uh, it's tinier, it's more compact and uh, it's, uh, I, still, I still have fun over it. I, I keep telling, talking about this to most of the people I meet or even in office and there's, it, it, uh, it, there's warp mode, which is essentially super fast. And I end up shaming one bike guy per day. Like there'll be some random bike guy on the road and I'll get a signal. And, uh, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll just kind of go past everyone on a signal uh, because of course, you know, like uh, cities are built that way. Right. So, uh, and that's where, you know, electric vehicles become relevant. So I think it's a, yeah. uh, it's fun. I just, uh, it's just uh, more convenient uh, in in terms of its usage in the city. When it ah. comes to Aether, Aether design, uh, ah. you know, there are so many iconic things. Like when we talk about Aether 450, the design itself, uh, there are so many interesting things which are going around. First of all, you have a die-casted uh, frame, which is very iconic. And one Aether with uh, semi-transparent kind of acrylic panels, and yes, yes. The, which exposes that frame. It, it looked yes. super cool, by the way. It looked super cool. Right, so right, great right. job on that, the design and the you know concept oh. behind it. And uh, another uh, interesting thing that uh, one portion of the frame, which kind of you know gets exposed just underneath the seat, uh, which holds yes, that yes, seat part, yes. that also I think it's super iconic. And uh, there are many, many small, small things. Like I'll tell you very honestly, don't take it in a wrong way. But sure, uh, sure, sure. When, when uh, I saw Aether for the first time, I was like, yeah, it's a nice scooter. It's a nice company, nice electric vision and everything. But you know, the way that scooter and that design grows on you, it's another thing. Okay. Like now when I see that scooter on roads uh, with some proper cool, you know, IT guy, like I, I usually see this guy always mostly going to the office. So this guy will be wearing his sandals, uh, shorts. Okay. Uh, fair looking guy. He'll be wearing nice black goggles. 
okay cool looking dude uh, with one duffel bag that gym duffel bag will be there no kept over there and that uh, entire scooter with that kind of persona it all you know works beautifully together so great job on that and also that uh, the front fascia and the rear uh, that uh, tail light area also no it has become kind of an right, iconic right, right. image for the scooter so i think uh, right, right. kudos on that job on the design part of it uh, well, also there is so much, you know there is one very nice feature that you have that flushed kind of a uh, side stand side stand right honda used to have that in their old bike so uh, yeah very similar and very cool looking that so entire design part i think it's it's very cool so can you tell yeah yeah a little so, bit more or more about the yeah, entire design process sure So, so first of all, I think uh, the credit uh, for that entire thing is uh, not mine alone. Of course, you know there's of an course, entire yeah. team of people who worked on the bike, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the finished product, uh, right from uh, uh, people like right, right from uh, right from the overall uh, overall concept design to the actual execution of it, the engineering, the product architecture mm-hmm. part of it, right? And uh, there's an entire team like right from. Concept uh, like actual concept sketches to to you know to taking it to uh, a very well refined finished surface, and then uh, I think even at when we were designing at a certain stages we realized that uh, certain parts that we had originally envisioned we thought uh, that's how they should look. Uh, we realized that they don't look as good, uh, you know, uh, considering so the exposed frame under the seat, right? The so the 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 painted exposed frame that comes out, mm, right? Yeah. So that part, uh, yeah. which is the seat hinge as well so that part uh, initially was a very simplistic tubular frame right and okay. uh, we we kind of uh, it was basically a nod to a lot of performance uh, vehicles performance bikes uh, and we realized that uh, while the rest of the vehicle looked uh, looked futuristic looked clean this was one part that uh, was uh, was very different and came from a different time altogether and uh, oh. like the rest of the world literally rest of the world's moving away from, like at least the motorcycle world's moving away from uh, most of them are moving away from even ducatis right now you don't really tubular have frame yeah an iconic tubular frame and this is yeah so this was still 2015 16 when we were doing this and we we realized that uh, i think we realized that we should we should just change that part and we also had we were also uh, moving away from an overall tubular subframe mm-hmm. they can under seat subframe to to a cast subframe uh, for uh, for providing better packaging for uh, for providing better engineering control and for better yeah, in fact uh, it, it has advantages all, all across like uh, uh, right from handling to stability to structural uh, stability to everything so when we were doing that we realized that you know if we changing that this why don't why not why not change the one exposed part of it right so mm. uh, that basically the change was holistic uh it uh, and you know it was not it was a natural change uh this was also us us evolving our point of view of thinking our thought process and uh, the certain things have also uh, uh come by on that vehicle from that point of view the overall approach has always been to uh, do the proportion first thing where mm-hmm. uh, your entire your silhouette of the vehicle is one of the biggest most important factors uh your silhouette your negative spaces and uh, making sure that uh, that silhouette is clean that uh, silhouette is fresh uh, it conveys what the product intent is uh, has been one of the biggest you know biggest challenges and you know but at least in terms of what the vehicle how the vehicle uh, performs and how the vehicle looks mm-hmm. there's a match and you need to have that match right so mm-hmm. uh, that was one of the things we ensured i think at least at least we've tried to do 
you know try to do our best on um certain other decisions like uh, having a huge headlamp lens with a tiny headlamp inside yeah. again you know like the these are things that we wanted to do because you kind of want to create a, a certain uh, sense of uh, what this vehicle is right you want to kind of uh, convey that hey this vehicle is uh, at at first glance you don't even see the lamp very you know if you're at a distance because mm-hmm. it's hidden away under this huge transparent lens right so uh, if if this ample sunlight falling on it you don't even see it so uh, these are things that we've tried to consciously do where uh, from a distance you see pure proportion but as you go closer uh you see more de- a lot more details, details in um, every part uh right. which boils down to even the part like the front number plate mount so mm-hmm. uh i mean for us the front number plate mount is a necessity and not an afterthought if if a legislation in our you know which is specific to our country dictates that we make a front number plate mount uh mm-hmm. you know uh it uh, be better catered to it as part of the entire vehicle right so mm-hmm. that is where we've been that is our that's been our point of view so every awesome. everything should uh, be part of the vehicle and not be an afterthought uh but yeah i think again you know since we were making a performance vehicle we wanted to make this short tail without losing out on seating for two people uh, okay. so there's a short tail which is also truncated at the rear which has this mm-hmm. very uh, distinct uh, like a vertical line right yeah yeah, yeah chopped right mm. and uh, and the the tail is lifted up you have you can literally see everything underneath and even that negative space is clean there are no there are no loose cable like there are no nice. extra components hanging yeah. out so all this has been possible only because of the support of like the entire org the yeah. entire team so everyone so yeah right? so it's like a single minded vision and uh, so without that support like you as a designer it's uh, it's not possible to achieve that that kind of output so yeah it's uh, it's been amazing that way, that way you know <laughs> now that you have uh, spent so many uh, so so much of time in this uh, two wheeler industry two wheeler ev industry mm. uh, what do you want to say uh, to those aspiring students who are still in college and who are in that you know uh, dilemma that uh, whether they should uh, join an oem or whether they should join a startup or whether they should you know uh, there's so much happening with this ui ux industry also so there are so many people who are like little confused that whether to continue transportation design or move away and go Uh, chase money and go to some some other discipline what what will be your advice to those students again i think it's just mostly to a large extent these are introspective aspects of uh, your choice that you Completely know that agree. you need to yeah. kind of you need to make right and be very clear on uh, uh, what you want to do and if you want to then build your skills there are other aspects which uh, revolve around uh, what like you know you don't exist in a vacuum right as a designer you exist as a part of an entire system you are in service to your customer having having a basic understanding of uh, the uh, vehicle needs in the future would be uh, would be crucial but of course at an oem you'll you know you'll get the advantage of exposure you'll get the advantage of uh, uh, you'll get the advantage of learning a lot but uh, with a startup i think uh, you when you if you join an early stage startup you also end up learning with the rest of the company so mm. uh, and it is it is probably far more hands on uh, yeah. and uh, yeah so i think both both come with their uh, pros and cons in terms of uh, you know again um, uh, there's another pay aspect to it which you touched upon right which was uh, yeah. like people leaving their core domain and going to ui and ux True. but then if you think about it that's the like the reason that also happens is because uh the scope of design over the past few years has changed 
and mm. uh, products products have moved on from being physical products to digital products i, I don't think there's like there's anything wrong with someone so someone studying transportation for that matter and then getting into ux right i mean you 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 are actually uh, uh, you are still doing design you are still solving problems you are still in fact um, a majority of ux challenges uh, end up in end up in you know like the challenges that you face end up in you doing the very basic uh, core aspects of design and kind mm. of going in depth I also like to give an example of how we design at ether and uh, my, one of my pet peeves is uh, the term styling i hate that <laughs> term to to its core and uh, it is you know uh, once all the work is done you end up you know kind of being i don't know like someone who touches touches it up and makes it look better but that is you know that is not who you are right that is not who you are as a professional there are so many aspects that go into the making of a vehicle alone and that can make or break make make the difference between uh, a good vehicle and a great vehicle and uh, how you build uh, e- even how you build product experience so uh, uh, even how you build uh, how you design hmi how you how you build physical product experience how you build digital product experience mm-hmm. how you build an ecosystem around that product so even if you come from an automotive design background there are in, like an insane number of opportunities in areas which might not have to do with vehicle form you know right. and but then there are and and there are spaces that are still uh, not being captured there are, there are not being you know worked on in the mm-hmm. kind of depth that you know uh, they should be yeah i think i yeah. think more more i am talking to you know people like you and more i am discussing these kind of topics i am slowly developing this thought process that uh, you know uh, designing particular thing is one thing uh, but when you are uh, more conscious about uh, what kind of impact you are trying to create uh, i think that will create the like the main drive for your work so yes yes yeah so it it does like let's say if your impact Uh, the impact you want to create is through ev uh, that to create a sustainable future or to create the best possible ev scooter which will have no re- range anxiety which will provide the best lifestyle out there then then you won't be bothered about if you are sketching a scooter or if you are uh, doing an ux uh, for the ev ecosystem or you are creating uh, some kind of an engineering solution providing engineering solution i think uh, that's what i learn from all these podcasts that i think yeah, eventually yeah. impact matters more than what kind of design you are doing and if you think yeah, yeah. that way uh, you will have more clarity i think that's what i feel as absolutely i think to a large extent uh, education and counseling I- i'm not very conversant with uh, the curriculum right now uh, in terms of uh, Mm. industrial design or automotive design and uh, but i suspect that a lot of it uh, still revolves around you know like uh, like making things look good and that that kind of is the extent of it yeah, i don't yeah. know exactly uh, recently i went to nid i conducted a workshop over there like uh, some things they have changed a lot uh, like for example they have included so many overlapping courses like hmi ui ux designing people have moved from powerpoints to you know modern day software for presentations like google slides and uh, there is uh, canva figma so figma figma so they are using yeah, yeah so yeah. so i have seen this very interesting thing happening in educational sector that uh, fields are overlapping a lot so i think uh, even if you are studying transportation design it's not like proper transportation design which used to happen uh-huh. in our time like it used to be yeah, like yeah. just motorcycles yeah. and car and sketching and rendering techniques now it has the scope has widened a lot 
so uh, right. there are students who are like now uh, pursuing system design like uh, public mobility system design there are people mm-hmm. who are focused that they want to do hmi so they are learning ui ux figma and things like that their entire presentation is like that you know one of the students actually he was telling that uh, he gave his entire jury in uh, metaverse so like he provided what? His, so he provided jury is the oculus and wow. he was, <laughs> so he, he he presented some kind of uh, gravity sketch models and things like that in the metaverse wow. and wow. the jury yeah so so all these things are happening so i think uh, uh, education field also mm-hmm. i think it's uh, moving at a very rapid pace uh, complementing whatever the technological development so i'm i'm glad that's happening i think it probably needs to happen to an extent where your final thesis project could be purely hmi driven you know and it doesn't have to be anything else or it could be purely product experience driven you don't need to talk about how that vehicle looks you just talk about how like, you know you've solved Solve so many of these issues that yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and you know that i think and i think that needs to be encouraged yeah yeah i actually uh, at the end of that workshop also uh, there are so many uh, students who came to me and then they were asking whether they should sketch with pencils or pens or uh, is uh, digital rendering okay i am like doesn't matter you provide problem yeah, yeah, you yeah. provide solution to the existing problem and then the medium doesn't matter then you show hand sketches digital rendering gravity sketch 3d model blender whatever but if it is yeah, yeah. giving solution that's all yeah. i mean exactly that the medium doesn't matter Of course, uh, with an iPad, you don't need to buy refill after refill of uh, marker ink. So yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. But uh, maybe the next step could be to 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 simulate the smell of uh, marker ink while using an iPad. <laughs> like a like. <laughs> see, But I'm giving know, you a startup idea after startup idea. Yeah, yeah students who are listening to this, please. <laughs> yeah. Actually, <laughs> please take these things up. Yeah, actually, Shantanu, don't you think that uh, there's another emotional aspect of it that because we have done so much of marker rendering and pencil sketches and all that, yeah, now yeah. we have that uh, you know emotional connect with all those things. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think these new age uh, students, new age kids, they are moving huh. away from it. So eventually, yes, they might I not be that's... able to uh, connect with all these emotions which we are talking now, like the alcohol smell. Yeah, and <laughs> we are yeah, yeah, very yeah. emotionally connected to it. but i think yeah exactly and that's okay because and that's how it should be right like yeah, uh, yeah. why should why should someone get like I, like we i think uh, we are from probably from this marker generation but uh, there's a generation of people uh, 30 years before us who were just or you know like 60 years before us who were just about uh, colored pencils on uh, on tinted sheets right or or giant uh, like uh, i don't know vellum or conso uh, you know material and all that and it's their change changes happening everywhere and i think uh, yeah, you should yeah. just leave the past behind no matter what like if you do get a sense of how your product looks in full scale somehow it doesn't matter whether it's clay whether it's uh, some other medium yeah true, in fact true, true. I, i would probably i would vouch for a less refined physical prototype or a, or a physical uh, validation of a less less refined type if it's faster because it helps you take decisions faster yeah yeah but i think uh, eventually mediums doesn't matter your problem solution matters and that's what people exactly. and students exactly. should focus on so uh, with that very uh, good note good concluding note uh, let's conclude this podcast uh, shantanu thanks again for coming here i have had a wonderful time chatting you know like a huge variety of topics and uh, i i love this energy that uh, we are able to talk for so long on so many yeah, different, yeah, yeah. different topics so that yeah, is yeah. 
that is yeah. not uh, that is not uh, a very regular kind of a scenario you don't meet some right, kind right, of a right, person right. where you can talk for like hours and hours so that kind of a energy right. i am really loving it yeah absolutely and thank you so much for having me on the podcast and uh, it'll be it, it's just it's been really nice and uh, yeah i hope to finally catch up in person someday yeah yeah and this was uh, amazing incredible yeah and thank uh, you i'm glad i came here yeah pleasure is all thank mine you.